Good evening, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Be sure to follow and subscribe on your platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Megaphone. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Before we get underway, I just want to wish you all a very happy new year. I hope that you guys have had a restful vacation. Uh, I know some of you have probably had to work this week. Hopefully you had the day off and got a nice relaxing uh, break in between the work week, which I know uh, a couple of folks have already taken off on Monday and Tuesday, but for those who haven't, um, we appreciate you anyways, we love you, and we hope that you guys had a restful Wednesday. I'm sure you all were probably tuned into the Dallas Stars versus Nashville Predators Winter Classic game, which was uh, actually pretty decent this year. Um, I'm not big on the outdoor games, generally speaking, and uh, this one was pretty decent. I mean, Dallas ended up winning 4-2 after, you know, Nashville kind of crapped the bed, because that's what the Preds do these days. They seem to uh, to struggle mightily, even with the lead. If nothing else, I'm pretty sure this outdoor game ended up giving us two new uh, NHL memes for this coming year. Corey Perry doing whatever it is that Corey Perry does um, while getting ejected, and then Pierre McGuire grossly eating a corn dog. which, yeah, if you haven't seen the gif, I'm not going to bring it up. You can go find it if you really want to. It's just kind of creepy, and I'm a little uncomfortable about it. Corey Perry, uh, the guy who was the first meme at least, is uh, <laughs> he, he actually elbowed Ryan Ellis three minutes into the game. So he's already gotten uh, he's already gotten a call for a hearing, which um, very, could, very well could be a couple of games. Hope and Ellis is doing all right, because from what I heard, he did have a, a concussion of some sort, which, you know, based on the hit, not super surprising. Man, I mean, Perry is such a dirty dude, but this is just kind of nuts, even for him, to do it in the first three minutes of a Winter Classic. I think they said that that's the first time somebody's actually been ejected from one of these games, which, when you think about it, is kind of a uh, kind of a bad thing to now become known for. Perry's already got something of a bad rap, because this is Corey Perry, and he's known to be pretty dirty, but yeah, even by his standards, this is pretty low, can't lie. During the game, it was announced that the next Winter Classic will be happening um, next year in Minnesota and apparently the Winnipeg Jets are an option as one of the opponents. Not sure who would participate. I assume it would be Minnesota Wild versus someone. Um, and they were talking about the Jets being an option for the cross-border rivalry, which I'm totally okay with. I think that that's a fun idea. Um, I don't like that the Jets have been in all these you know, outdoor classic games as of late, but I'm totally cool with like non-traditional markets getting exposure by the NHL. If nothing else, I can definitely head out that way and probably attend the game, um, depending where, you know, where it is and how much it is. I've never been to an outdoor game other than like an AHL one, so going to see the Jets in an outdoor classic would be pretty cool. Not like I exactly go out to Minnesota either, it's a bit of a haul from where I live, so um, I'm sure a lot of you uh, Winnipeggers and Manitobans will be crossing the border in mass to go see this game. I'm not sure how big the stadium is, it's probably got to be, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000, who knows. Any of like these college football stadiums are always massive, so... Yeah, be cool to see what happens, and uh, hopefully the Jets get another outdoor game. I mean, uh, some of them are overrated, but, you know, anytime the Jets can get, you know, a little bit of national prestige, I'm totally cool with that, too. Speaking of national prestige, tomorrow night Winnipeg is going to have something of a tough test against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have been helmed under uh, Sheldon Keefe over the past several weeks in the wake of uh, Mike Babcock's firing. Over that stretch, they've had something like 13 or 14 wins out of, I believe, around 18 games. Um, so they're riding high, but, I mean, the Leafs are, I don't know, under the hood there are some signs where they're kind of like a little bit okay, not amazing, but again, Winnipeg doesn't like these teams with a ton of pace, and the Leafs have a ton of pace. 
the Jets tend not to do well with these countering skilled teams that can pounce on mistakes and, and cause havoc in the offensive zone, which the Jets are going to have to deal with this again. I mean, um, Toronto's got a ton of talented distributors like Willie Nylander, Austin Matthews, John Tavares. That's a formidable front three to have to contend with, and uh, I'm honestly not sure that the Jets are going to do all that well. I mean, Winnipeg's defense is essentially held together by, like, school-grade glue sticks right now, so... Yeah, um, I'm not overly optimistic. We barely scraped out a win against the Colorado Avalanche last night, so, you know, um, I'm going to keep my expectations modest. If we get a win somehow on home ice, that'd be fantastic, uh, especially if Liney scores another hat trick. Dude is overdue for a hat trick, let me tell you. Um, but I just don't have many expectations. Winnipeg against teams with a ton of speed really struggle under the offensive pressure. Um, and then the, you see the PK unit where they basically statically sit around uh, and leave so many gaps in passing lanes for opposing teams to pick apart. To me, this is just a troubling matchup that doesn't bode well for the Jets, um, especially with the, the lack of foot speed on the back end and just the general mental mistakes that Winnipeg's defense tends to make. Unfortunately, it's not just been the defenders either. A lot of the forward skaters have made some really bird-brained passes that ended up in the back of the net. That, and let's be honest, almost no one in the top six is really doing any defensive work whatsoever. Uh, I think Line A and Ehlers are the guys who try the most, um, and only Ehlers is really effective at it. Everyone else doesn't either doesn't try to defend or is ineffective when they do attempt it. Speaking of Patrick Line, he is now eligible to be voted into the NHL All-Star Game, so if you haven't voted yet, make sure to do so. The poll just opened up earlier today, and you can find the original tweet from the Winnipeg Jets at NHL Jets, and make sure to vote for Line. Of the guys who could possibly go to the uh, NHL All-Star Game for Winnipeg, Line has to be one of the most deserving. I think that his game over overall this season has massively improved. He's a fun player. He's, he's starting to become a more complete forward. Yeah, I mean, he deserves this call-up. I mean, this is... This is his deal, and he deserves a reward, and I think that he sets a great example for other young players on this team, and really should be uh, a prototype for what the Jets kind of do going forward. He's got a phenomenal release, but he's showcasing a lot of his excellent passing skill and his incredible vision, which was already really good, but this season it's just taken flight to a whole new level. He's always possessed a ton of skill, but until now he really hasn't combined all of them into the sort of lethal skill set that he has now, so... Yeah, really happy for him. I hope he gets the uh, All-Star Game nomination. Vote for him. Make sure you cast your vote as soon as possible. And if I recall correctly, you can vote multiple times, but don't quote me on that one. If nothing else, I hope Lainey puts up an All-Star performance against the Leafs tomorrow because I'm not expecting much else. Uh, I don't know what the status of Andrew Kopp is. I think he's still injured for the time being. His recovery was going to take a long time anyway, so as far as lineup changes are concerned, I don't think we're going to see anything different. I did hear that Nate Beaulieu was, uh, somebody said on Twitter that he was walking around with something of a limp after the last game, but no one else got called up from the Moose, and there were no roster changes as far as I know, so yeah, I think the same lineup against the Avs will probably be what we see tomorrow night. Pray for my nerves, because it could get a little bit ugly. Now that the new year is here, I have a lot of expectations for the Jets, and I think, you know, to talk through this one, I want to talk about the guys who I'm really happy with what I've seen and what I expect continued positive performance from. I think the first guy I'm going to name on this list is obviously Connor Hellebuck, who's just been absolutely marvelous. I think Hellebuck is this team's MVP. I've said it before. He's my presumptive Vezina nominee. He's got to get the mention, at least, as being this team's clear and sole frontrunner for the MVP award. There are a lot of good players on the Jets team, but I don't think anyone has been as valuable as Hellebuck has. 
He continues to put up a lot of really strong results in that, and he's carried this team on his back to a 22-15-3 record, which, yeah, any way you slice it, that's really impressive, especially considering just how bad the Jets are defensively and how little offense they've been creating. On that same note, I expect a lot of good performances from Nick Ehlers and uh, Patrick Laine. Laine, I think, has been the one who's shown the most growth in his game. We all knew Ehlers was pretty good, and I think a lot of people who thought that he should be traded are probably now second-guessing that decision. Anyone who also said that we should trade Liney after he had something of his, uh, you know, contract and holdout situation should also be rethinking that decision. Liney's game has grown by leaps and bounds, and I think he only has upwards to go at this point. And so I expect continued improvement, and he's going to be a pivotal part of this core for many years to come if the Jets are wise. I think that both he and Ehlers need to be made focal points of this team's offense, you know. I do have my bias towards the Scandinavian skaters on this team, but it's not without good reason. Winnipeg has some of the best Finnish and uh, Danish talent that you can find around in the NHL, and soon they'll be adding another Finnish talent in Vili Heinola when he finally makes his North American return. In the same vein, I'd also expect to see David Gustafson to continue his development and also be impactful when he gets linemates who aren't Gabriel Bork and Logan Shaw. Whether Christian Veselainen can eventually make it be a contributor at the NHL level, I, I don't know. He's not really been all that impressive for the Moose, so I've, I'm not really writing him off at this point, but I'm just not penciling him in anytime soon. For now, this core is very clearly Patrick Laine, Nikolai Ehlers, Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey to an extent, Connor Hellebuck, those guys that you're all familiar with, you sort of know what you're getting. Vili Heinle will definitely be part of that group very soon. Beyond that, hard to say. So, for the rest of this season, I do think that um, Ehlers and Laine will continue their hot streak. I'm, I'm hoping that Shifley kind of improves because Mark hasn't really been all that good this season. I mean, he is scoring a lot, and he's definitely creating a lot of offense, but defensively speaking, I have some questions about his game. It seems weird to complain about Shifley because he's at the center of so many things that the top six does, but by the same token, he's just not the same player that he was a few seasons ago. His two-way play and defensive acumen are both kind of in question for me. Uh, I think you saw that on the three-on-three overtime goal where he just made a blind pass. He's had a couple of plays over the past couple of seasons where he really needed to make a different decision, and he ended up kind of machine-gunning the pass into a dangerous spot. Other times he's supposed to be man-marking somebody in the zone and he just doesn't seem to make the read at all, which is not good. Last season it was way worse. There were times where Shifley just kind of looked like he glided through his, his progressions and didn't really do anything, which is, you know, obviously not a good sign and I think that he was also pretty upset with the team. That said, he still has work to do and I feel like if he wants to get back to that 2017-2018 level, he's going to have to put in a few more extra shifts. It's easy for me as an observer to say, but, you know, Shifley is really the pivotal point of this team, and as he goes, so too does the rest of the team. This year, a lot of it's kind of gone through Nick Ehlers, but Shifley at his peak, when he's at his true best that we we haven't seen yet, I don't know that there's a center that can really touch him other than a guy like McDavid or Sean Couturier. Shifley has the potential to just completely school opponents, and thus far he hasn't been doing it as much this season. He still has a lethal shot, and he still has great passing and distribution, but... As far as the defensive commitment and two-way transition play is concerned, uh, I'm not a fan of some of the results. A guy who has actually been growing on me as of late has been Neil Pionk, who I'm really surprised I'm saying that I like his game. I didn't anticipate that at the start of the season at all. Murat Atesh of uh, The Athletic actually put out an article recently saying that he was wrong about Pionk and that, you know, Neil actually has a lot of elements to his game that we didn't anticipate. I'm not going to lie, I thought he was going to be one of Winnipeg's worst defensemen outside of guys like Lucas Abisa and Anthony Boteto, 
but Pianca's actually been really decent, and that's really impressive to me. I do want to temper my statements with the fact that the Jets' defense, relatively speaking, is one of the worst in the league, if not the worst defense defensive unit in the league. So the results, you know, you have to take it sometimes with a bit of a grain of salt. But even by those standards, Pionk has been very solid for Winnipeg. He's got pretty good edge work, and his shot's been pretty decent. He's certainly collected tons of points on the power play as well. I think for Neil, where he wants to grow more is both in his defensive positioning and his decision-making with the puck, because sometimes he doesn't always make the right pass, or he doesn't make the right read in general. Winnipeg's hybrid man-zone defense tends to throw a lot of guys off, especially when they come from teams who have a totally different defensive structure. Uh, And so Pionk oftentimes gets lost in coverages where there are complications and forwards who are supposed to be marking but don't, or there's overlapping and Pionk doesn't pick up on it. This is kind of stuff that, with time, he might get a bit of a better read on. He is kind of a meat-and-potatoes defenseman at times, but generally speaking, I don't know. I've been impressed with what I've seen of Pionk's growth this season. With how much Pullman has been struggling on the first pairing with Josh Morrissey, I think it might be time to switch spots, which, if you if you told me that that might happen this season, I never would have believed you, nor would I have ever considered recommending it to begin with. But that's kind of how the Jets are at this point. There are times where, like, Pionk legitimately might be the team's best defender, and that's a little bit scary to me for a variety of reasons, but, you know, it's what it is. As I mentioned earlier, Neil still has a lot of growing to do, but, you know, with his current trajectory, who's to say he doesn't become a solid number four defenseman? I think that's a very realistic expectation. Heck, it might even happen during the season if he continues to play as well as he has thus far. Again, he still needs to make some faster decisions, and his passing to line A has been kind of atrocious. I'll be honest, his power play quarterbacking is not so good. Um, even though he does collect a lot of power play points, he uh, he kind of needs to get a little more mustard on his passes and he needs to use line A more frequently. What I do like to see from him though is that he is trying. I mean, he's actively trying to make the defensive reads. He's trying to work on his defensive positioning in the zone. He's trying to win more wall battles. He's trying to make, you know, reads and bail out his line mates when they aren't making good decisions. He's trying all of these things, and obviously some of them don't work yet, but I do hope that they eventually do. He is kind of awkward, and sometimes he lacks a little bit of agility in the corners, but for the second half of the season, I think he's going to be one of the more pivotal defenders on the blue line for the Jets. He's already played a huge role for Winnipeg, and uh, I think that he could grow to be something at least decent for Winnipeg going forward. I've talked about the guys that I'm happy with, uh, and there are some players that I'm not super thrilled with, and I'm kind of wondering what's going on with them. And I think the first guy who falls under this list very squarely is absolutely, 100%, without question, Josh Morrissey. Josh was one of my favorite Winnipeg defensemen for a very long time, and he's just totally fallen off a cliff this season. I have no idea how to explain the fact that Morrissey went from arguably Winnipeg's best defenseman to a guy who doesn't look like he knows what's going on at all. Morrissey and Trupa together used to be pretty decent, and then now that they're apart, Trupa has been absolutely dismal for the Rangers, and Morrissey hasn't been much better for the Jets. Kind of weird, and I I don't know if it's just a, a lack of familiarity with their defensive partners now or what, but... It's just not been good sledding for the for the Jets and Morrissey. It's a little alarming considering Morrissey just signed a, a mammoth, you know, eight-year deal, and he suddenly looks like a guy who really can't defend to save his life. Um, last night he had this one no-effort cadre goal against where he really had an easy read. He could have made the play and he just didn't, and and Kadri ended up, you know, knocking down Hellebuck save percentage. And, and then Morrissey, on several other instances, has either misplayed a defensive read badly and been totally out of position or not even been anywhere near the play and somebody had a nice easy 2-on-1 break or something. 
it it's so uncharacteristic of Morrissey that I, I feel like there's something wrong. He's either injured or something else is going on because there's no way Josh is this bad now. He's never really struggled like this. I, I don't even recall him struggling like this in his rookie season. This is just weird. And like you look at his results and you're just thinking to yourself, how did he get this bad? I mean, his partner is Tucker Pullman and Pullman is very much overwhelmed, but Morrissey really isn't doing much to bail Pullman out either. It's it's just very puzzling to me. Like, Pionk at times is a better defender than Josh Morrissey, and that's not really saying a whole lot. So, color that very puzzling for me. I'm hoping that maybe a bit of time off and some rest will change things, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain the regression. I don't ever see that happen, especially out of the blue. Maybe Truba and Morrissey meant more to each other than we know, but I... I don't know, it's just strange to me. You just don't see a guy like Morrissey, who was so confident on the puck, suddenly handle it like a hot hand grenade every time. Also on the needs to improve list is Kyle Connor, who's been so bad this season. Uh, you know, I, I have this debate often with people who always point out that he is a phenomenal goal scorer, and there is no debating that. He has some of the best goal scoring hands I've ever seen. The stuff that he can do in front of net is just filthy and disgusting. Where the crux really lies is that he just doesn't do anything else. Like, defensively, Kyle Connor is one of the softest skaters I've ever seen. He doesn't engage in physical battles. He doesn't really try to strip players of their pucks and, and force turnovers. He's definitely not going to win a wall battle. And so I kind of wonder what exactly he does off the puck because it's just he's not in the right positions defensively. And when he's in the offensive zone, he's usually not in the best position to take advantage of his line mates. For as many goals as Kyle Connor scores, he's also really on the ice for a ton of chances against, and he doesn't really seem to, to have an awareness for making the right passes, uh, setting up and, and building up play like Nick Ehlers does. He might be one of the most talented guys for finishing who just doesn't really have a whole lot of other you know, attributes to make a, a complete forward. Now, don't get me wrong, there absolutely is value in what Kyle Connor does, and when he scores, he can do some absolutely amazing one-on-one -on -one dynamic battles, and he'll win those. But, you know, considering how much he's being paid, I think it's something like seven, seven and a half million, you think about the fact that Anthony Duclair kind of does a similar thing where he, he doesn't really have a defensive game, he's mostly a poacher and a finisher, and you kind of wonder, is, is are you really getting value for your money? Is that what you're really paying for, you know? And I just, um, I, I le I'm left wanting with Kyle Connor's game because he's such a phenomenally fun player to watch when he's at his best. But when he's doing anything else other than goal scoring, he's so frustrating on so many levels, and it's not really like this is a new trend. This has been going on for a couple of seasons now, and I think that Connor's probably the complete product, and that's that's what we're going to get with him. So, you know, I, I don't know if we're really going to see an improvement from him. I, I would like a little more defensive awareness, I would love for Maurice to take him off the penalty kill because that's not where he excels at all. You know, he has all of the tools and the physical skills to be more than he is, and he just hasn't put it all together in a way that I, I'm really confident in. So, you know, it's just uh, it's just frustrating, and I think that Winnipeg desperately needs growth from some of these guys, and, or or I guess a return to form in Josh Morrissey's case. And, uh, and uh, thus far, we're still kind of at the same place that we were at the start of the season, which is a bit of a chaotic mess. Winnipeg can be a fun team, and they've shown that against teams like Minnesota, a couple of times against the Stars, some brief stretches against, you know, top teams like the Blues and whatnot, but as far as, like, a consistent 60 minutes of great hockey, we just don't have that yet. And the deeper we go and the more teams see that Winnipeg is very vulnerable on the back end, especially to, to speedy, smaller, or crafty forwards, that's probably not going to change anytime soon, so... 
Winnipeg is going to have to insource improvements, whether that's some of the skaters who are active right now or some of the guys that they call up. Either way, 2020 is going to be a big season for the Jets. Um, and, and going forward, this could be something of a linchpin for the franchise to figure out, you know, what are the next steps to elevate to, to the next level and become ultimately cup contenders. The team got there once, and there's no denying that the team can absolutely get there again, but it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of crafty roster management to get back to that state. I'm not sure that I'm going to be convinced it happens this decade, but I'm really hoping that it does because Winnipeg has so many pieces to put together a, a true cup contending squad and eventually a cup winning squad. But, you know, for the time being, we're stuck with what we got. So let's hope that they make some noise, maybe make the playoffs, maybe oust somebody like, you know, Dallas or St. Louis. Have a bit of fun along the way. We'll see what they do, though. All right. So thanks again for listening. Hope you guys had a wonderful New Year's Day. And thanks again. Go Jets go.